Welcome to Lunch Hour, everybody. My name is Ashton Fish. I'm your host. Uh, this week, we have Max Boyle on the show. Super excited to have Max. Max has been a friend of mine for over six years. Um, some cool things about Max. Uh, Max is a huge uh, sports uh, lover and somebody that um, I love to talk sports with. Uh, go Lakers, go Dodgers. Um, <laughs> And so super excited to have Max on today. Um, him and his wife have been married uh, for almost eight years now, which is crazy. Um, dude, I mean, <laughs> eight years, that's amazing. Um, also, a decade of, uh, over a decade of youth ministry. And um, something I love about you, Max, is I love your uh, focus on community and context. I think that out of any youth pastor in our district, I think you are probably one of the best community builders and a person that knows their context, uh, context knows their city and knows how to minister it well. So I just want to say thank you. I oh, appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I look up well, to you in a lot of those ways. So yeah. thanks for having me on. I'm excited and you know, I've always, or not always, but I've been on the other end of this and you know, I'm just happy to share my story today. Awesome. So yeah. So can you let us know a little bit about you? I just kind of threw some other things out there. Um, obviously being youth pastor, maybe we share a little bit of your ministry context yeah. and some other things like that. Yeah. Well, I'm in, uh, I'm in Pasadena, California, which is mostly known for, you know, the Rose Bowl and uh, the Rose Parade. And, you know, it's interesting because I've always lived here and I was born here. And I would say within the last five or seven years, it's really become a destination rather than just a suburb of LA. So um, we've seen a lot of just changing dynamics. Um, housing is ridiculous. And in my context, a two bedroom apartment, the medium is 2,500. So wow. really having to adjust. And, you know, there's a lot of my students who are uh, part of the youth group that are actually outside of Pasadena because they can't afford it. And we've lost families throughout the years, just moving East and different locations. So um, yeah, but what's, I think was one of the most interesting things about Pasadena is we are there's so like there's so many resources but there's just not like a lot of um connection along with mm -hmm. it like we have the most therapists and psychiatrists per capita in the united states we have the most private schools per capita in the united states and uh, we have the most nonprofits, including churches so wow. there's all this stuff and you know you can almost feel like you're just one more voice but really how I've approached just youth ministry and is like not, I just kind of gear it towards, okay, who are the students that are consistently coming? What do they need? Rather than like this obscure, like maybe there's this kid down the street, like, no, what, what does this student need right now? And mm -hmm. um, kind of just geared it towards that. But yeah, I've been in one location, Pasadena Foursquare Church since, uh, since I was like in preschool and, uh, really love it. Love. I love what I do. Yeah. And that's incredible to think that you grew up in the church. You were a youth in the church. Mm -hmm. and now you're a youth pastor and yeah. that really shows something special. I think about your community and about you and your yeah. wife, Jasmine, that you guys have been there and you understand again, your community and your context. Yeah. Um, so with that, we're seeing such a shift and you and I have talked about this a lot. We've seen a shift of uh, next gen ministry. Um, you know, the, the, the old um, preach, uh, you know, and people are just going to show up on your youth night. Um, right. Those days um, we're seeing are, are, are over um, and we're, we're seeing a shift in next gen ministry. So I just kind of want to open that up and talk about that with you. Um, so what are some of the shifts that you're seeing from kind of, again, this, we have pizza, 
you know, I do a big preaching, huge, you know, worship team. Yeah. And then, you know, hundreds of kids show up to my youth group. That, <laughs> yeah, that's not happen. happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the shift that you're seeing and how are you addressing that in your Yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting because I think you really got to know kind of your church context and how your church operates. Um, I think even in my youth ministry, we kind of operate a lot with our church values. And, um, you know, I think for me, it's, again, it's just understanding who has God appointed you to, you know, who are the, these students. So, um, and I just know that like with this generation, they're just really stressed out and they just, things are heavy on them. And rather than ignore that or like, how do you actually work with that? Oh, well, we actually need a place of presence and God's presence. So one of the things that we like to do is uh, we just have this open space and there'll be times like on Wednesday we have worship and then, Hey, for the next like 40 minutes, we're just going to create space for you to be with God. Like, I don't want to assume that they are having that space, right? If they say like, I, I, I can't do my homework and there's like, there's this practice and I have this audition or everything, like looking at your schedule, you probably don't even have space, mental space to be with God. Okay. Well, rather than just saying, Oh, do it on your own time. I want to create that space and say, okay, well, this is, like their souls and their relationship with God is, is really important. So how do I um, just create that space for them? So um, yeah. And then, you know, just when it comes to preaching, I want to make sure that um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause I think the, the longer I've done youth ministry, I think the least I've uh, preached in a typical setting um, it's more of a circle conversation rather than, mm-hmm. you know, I'm up there and just spouting out knowledge or, or whatever it is. But I would rather have our students have this idea of like discovering who God is. And I think um, the best way to learn is actually asking questions and especially with God, like God can handle a bunch of questions and let's do that in a, um, in a space where it's safe and um, actually, encourages our students to, to think and to have, um, you know, dynamic questions. So, yeah. One of the things you said to me that was a little shocking, but you're like, I have not preached in a traditional way in 2019 to my yeah. youth. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting, but like you just said that you're, you're having more conversations, obviously you're still reading the scripture and you're, yeah. you're, you're conversating about that but I like your point that these kids have so much that's already going on. They're already getting spoken to and spoken at by coaches and teachers and constantly getting downloads of information over saturation of information. And then it's like, then they come to church and here's another time where they're just sitting and it's over saturation of information right. and all these people speaking right. at them, to, you know, instead of them experiencing and being able to conversate and have conversations. Yeah. So that I know that that's a big shift. And again, how did you come to that, that, like realization and, and how, how are you seeing it? Is, it? is it being effective with your students to kind of move to this more of a circle uh, <laughs> method versus, versus rows? I mean, how are they responding? Yeah. Uh, well, I think in my context, I'm able to do it because there's smaller numbers. I think that's more challenging if you have, you know, 20 plus, like, you know, I think there's ways you can do it in small groups, but um, the way I just came up with that is I would 
chair and there would just be blank stares or I could just, I could <laughs> feel the anxiety in the room. And I think that's like, you know, one of my spiritual gifts is that I can just have discernment and I'm just like, this is not working, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I came to the realization is like, when it's all said and done is a student at their time, at the end of their time on youth ministry, are they going to remember exactly what you said or certain words? Or are they going to remember how they were felt and cared for in love? And I'm like, I can build upon that. And rather than, you know, and I'm, it's not either or, like we still have the gospel. We still bring truth. But I think it's also how do you embody that? And I think with this group in particular where knowledge and, excuse me, and facts is just everywhere, how can they actually encounter the presence of God rather than just hear about it? Yeah. Or, you know, so. Yeah, I had a youth pastor when I was in a youth. Uh, my youth pastor told me, he goes, I want my youth ministry to be the most safe, the mm-hmm. most fun, and the best time of these students' lives. Yeah. When they come to youth group, when they're part of, you know, when they go to youth camp or retreats or, you know, services, small groups, I want them to have the best time of their lives because one day if they do fall away, which is crazy, we now know 80% of youth fall away from their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of not if, it's when they do fall away. Yeah. They're going to remember, logically, they're going to go, okay, when, did I, when was I in a safe place? Mm-hmm. When was I having fun? When was I being cared for? Yeah. When, w- when did I feel God's presence and peace? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's when I was at church and in, in a yeah. community that I could actually like, discuss real life with. And I yeah. think that's what you're talking about. Totally. And I think like an, a marker of like, I mean, it's the way to say it, like I knew I was doing something right, um, was we were talking and about just who the youth group is. And they say like family. And then a lot of, not a lot, but there was like a few kids, like three or four were saying, actually, I feel like I can be myself here at church. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like at school, it's hard to be myself. And they were saying like my friends my authentic friends are here at church and like people at school are just people I kind of hang out with, which I think like for me, my experience was I have my church friends and I have my school friends and I have my football friends or whatever. But I think what I, what our team has established and what our church really has established was like this idea of like lifelong friendships. And I think that's what Jesus modeled with his disciples and this disciples were able to, literally die for him and for the sake of the gospel because of that interaction, that friendship. It was like, no, like I love Jesus. Like that's my homie, you know, like that's, that's my boy. And, and there was so much more to that. So I think that's, that's what we really have strived for is like, how do we make a, um, an inclusive kind of family dynamic? Cause that's the challenge is like, how do you make it not exclusive and they're so tight that nobody can come into it. But I think we've had to wrestle through that over the years and, you know, I've had to yeah. call them out like, Hey, it feels a little exclusive here. How are we making room for people to come in? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Is there another pointer you could give? Cause I think you just gave a great one right there. Number one, like calling out the clicks, calling yeah. out the exclusive uh, exclusivity. So is there something that you could say like, Hey, another couple of things that we've done to create this inclusive community? Yeah, I think, um, it's kind of the things we've also done, but I've always tried to like talk to our, our youth. It's like, imagine you're on the other side. Right. And I always say like, you've been in places where you don't, where you haven't felt included. Right. Like, and mm-hmm. 
put yourself in that situation. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of bravery for a new kid to show up to a youth group. And that's why like our team and myself, it's like if, if a new kid comes in, like we're like, hey, it is awesome that you're here, right? And like, it's great. Let's have fun tonight. Let's, I want to get to know you because I think in a lot of ways, um, we expect just kids to come and get plugged in, but it actually takes effort for that student to stay and feel connected and feel included. Um, and that's, I think, just part of the, the culture you have to create. Yeah. And one of the things you've done, and I wanted you to comment on it, because um, I think it's one of the best things that I've, I've probably ever seen a youth pastor do, is a thing called Canvas Night. Mm-hmm. Can you explain Canvas Night? Because this kind of, I guess, gives an example of creating this inclusive community. Can you yeah. give us a little example? What, what is Canvas Night, and how did that come to be, and what do you do? What, what is it? So I can't take any credit for Canvas Night. <laughs> it was actually developed with the, um, by two students and the youth pastor before before me that was working with the the high school so I've probably in my over 10 years I've done like maybe five years with high school five years with junior high so this is when I was with the junior hires but um the youth pastor before me she took just these that like her two leaders and said hey what do you want to do and they're very creative and they're like it'd be cool just to have a night where we can express our art and it kind of developed into this showcase and um what it's developed is this thing that we do we were doing it monthly but now we're doing it like yearly um but it's a just place where students can showcase who they are who god's creating them to be and we've used it as a fundraiser for our uh camp but it's become more than that like giving a platform for a junior high or high school student to just this is who I am. And we've had things like fishing. We've had things like a Photoshop demonstration. We've had like YouTube videos. We had a girl who does jump rope and she did this like whole routine uh, color guard. And it's just like, it's a night where people can just, you know, applaud and celebrate who God has created that student to be. And in a time where uh, especially like junior high, where your ego is so fragile we get to build that up and be like, no, like the things that God is doing in your life is good and worth celebrating for. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've, I've actually been able to attend uh, Canvas Nights and I was just like, wow, this is so cool because yeah. a lot of people do like talent shows and then, the, but it turns into it's like not, yeah. the American Idol, like laughing at the person who can't sing, you know, right. type thing. And it's like, oh, the competition and there's somebody that, you know, which again, I, I, I'm, we like sports. We obviously like competition. But really easily, those talent shows can turn into a bashing show. Right. Um, And so I like that Canvas Night, though, celebrates everybody's talent. Yeah. And I think that often when people think of talent show, too, they think of, like, the mainstream things, like, oh, I'm going to play a song on guitar. Right. Um, I'm going to sing or something, which I know that happens at Canvas Night. Totally. Um, But somebody to go up and do a jump rope routine. Yeah. Like, that wouldn't normally be done in a talent. You know what I mean? Like, it really, it gets to celebrate, though, that that's, you know, that's an amazing uh, talent that that student has and that's how they yeah. express themselves and so, it's a sh- yeah I think it's right it's a showcase it's not a talent show like there's no winner and it's really like how can we honor that person's story it's funny you said you were at the at canvas night you're at the one where uh, I dressed up like uh, Chris Farley and did lunch lady yes. <laughs> and Fernando was there too <laughs> yes that was that was epic we create that, was- that in a camp somehow 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and bringing up the fun, one thing that you talk about a lot, um, cause you've done our activities at camp for years, is like shared experience mm-hmm. and fun. Can you give me a little bit on that of what is shared? What do you mean by shared experience? And yeah. Shared I think there's something, there's something unique when you can do something with somebody. And I think, you know, looking at the model of Jesus, he was always with his disciples. He was always with somebody. And I think having, you look at it and something like camp or something like youth group or something's like really memorable, that's a lifelong memory. Right. And I think that's one of the things that we've looked to create is not every Wednesday or every Sunday is a lifelong memory, but what are those lifelong memories? And, and it's funny cause like I've just kind of reconnected with a friend from youth group when I went to youth group and we've done missions together. We've done like, and we're just sitting here and we're just reminiscing. Right. And we're just reminiscing about uh, this game we played in youth group or, you know, that one time we served, you know, downtown or something like that. Like these are things that stick with you and they're part of your story. And it's a reminder of the things that God has done in your life. So whether you're shaky in your faith or you're going through a hard time, you can always go back to the shared experience and like, I can, I can not only remember that God did that, but I did that with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and you never know how God can use that and, and like reconnect. And I just, you know, mentioned um, this friend, like he went through something similar that I'm going through right now. And because of our history, when we were kids, we're adults now and able to connect on a, on a hard thing, even though we haven't talked in like five or 10 years, but that basis of having that shared experience um, goes a long way, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and, and we've talked about this before, um, you know, and I think you just were mentioning that and I, before we talked that we could talk about this, but yeah, you, you've been going through a challenge, um, just losing your mom. Yeah. Um, uh, crazy dude. I, I, you know, I lost my dad to cancer, so we, we can share that as well. Mm-hmm. And we cried together and, um, still praying for you and, and love you, man. Um, but with that, to in a ministry, like real life happens to us as next gen leaders. Totally. Totally. Um, and so I, we were talking about that. Can, can you give us a little wisdom and what you've learned in this season and how you've allowed yourself to be human? So often we can be uh, dehumanized as yeah. pastors and leaders. Yeah. How have you allowed yourself to be a human and, and what have you done? If, if you know what, what you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, and just to give context, like my mom was completely healthy and it's still kind of unexplained. She was only 60 and, there was no illness or anything like that. She just went to bed and well, didn't wake up, you know, and just like your whole world's just rocked. And um, I think for me, what really helped myself and Jasmine and my wife is the community in which we're in, you know, and that was huge. I, I, and looking back at it, it's like, I don't think I could walk this through with any other community um, because these are, people that I know love me and support me. So um, I think that was huge is like, you know, is this community, the community that you're in, are you able to be vulnerable? Are you able to be open in times of crisis? And what's interesting is actually um, it coming back because I had a month off to deal with, you know, just grief and be with my family and just not be tied to, to my, you know, routine of being at church but the safest I was to be able to like express was actually with my youth group wow and and yeah like there was a time where just like it was so fresh too it was like maybe within 
like six weeks and I kind of was able to express where I was. Um, and that came easier than, you know, maybe a group of adults and stuff like that. And even with like my church staff, but I think there's this thing where how vulnerable can you be? And like, it was an opportunity for me in saying, Hey, I've, I've loved and have supported these kids and these families and it's okay for them to do that for me too. And, um, in a time where I could be like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm like, no, things aren't good, you know? And, and not hiding that, be like, you know, how are you doing max? Like the kids ask me, I'm like, you know, actually today's been a really hard day. And they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm glad you're here. You know, they're saying that to me, you know, like wow. 15, 16 year olds. And, um, I think that's when ministry doesn't just become pastor up here, but that's like, again, it's that circular, like a community is, is a circle, not a triangle. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's huge and I'm, and I'm still going through it. And, you know, there's things like <laughs> I tell my, my youth leaders, like, Hey, um, my whole theology is rocked, you know, and not that I'm losing my faith, but there's a certain things where I knew was true. And I'm like, I'm struggling with that. You know, the idea of like God's plan totally like that's hard for me right now. Cause it's like, just to be real, it's like, Oh, so my mom just abruptly passing as part of God's plan. Okay. That's hard for me, but how do I be real with that in community, not going to, you know, drinking or going to porn or like, you know, distancing myself from that but actually being open and being like you know today is hard can you can you guys just sit with me or allow me to express myself you know so Mm -hmm. I think that's that's how you how you do it is like if you're in a community don't shy away when things are hard that's actually a moment where you can be real and I think that's part of the the healing process yeah dude so good um, I, yeah, I don't even know what to say beyond that, but just that I'm so thankful that you have a, a great community yeah. around you. And yeah. it's a reminder for all of us, um, leaders and pastors and even yeah. myself, you know, man, I need a community around me that I can mm-hmm. be vulnerable with. And, um, yeah. and it kind of reminds me again, uh, somebody said a quote, um, leaders don't change in, in rows, they change in circles. Yeah. And I feel like that's the same thing. Like what you just said, that was such a great line that, um, community doesn't happen. Um, I think what'd you say in, in, uh, in a row or what is it? In a triangle. It happens in a triangle. Yeah. yeah. Not in rows. And so I'm going to mess up your own quote. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that that's very profound for yeah. us leaders to, rem- to remember that we need that community. Yeah. And I think to, Oh my bad. I was just yeah. saying like, and, and to be real, I think the challenge is like, well, I'm a leader. So I have to be the example and I have to do this right. Like if I am going through a crisis, it's going to be an example. Yeah. Like that is exhausting. Yeah. Like, you know, I think for me, it was freeing to be like, I just had so much grief. I was like, I don't even care about that. Like, not that I don't care, but it's just like, that's not my fourth. Like, that wasn't like, hey, I have to do this right so that my church community can see how that's an example. Like that, yeah. to me, like that just, that cheapens my own experience. And I think that's, that's a challenge with leaders. It's like, when you go through something, maybe one of your first, like, intuitions is like, well, I got to be the example to how to do this. Yeah. Like, no, like you got to go through your own journey and hopefully you're doing it the right way. And it does become an example, but don't, don't go through something. And your first thing is, well, I got to do this the right way because I have to be an example. Like, no, do it the right way because your soul depends on it. Like you yourself 
depends on it and your relationship with Christ first. And then if you're doing that right, then yeah, you'll, you'll be an example from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I think another thing I've heard a good quote was like, you know, make sure to share your scars with people, not your wounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, so as a pastor going up there and pr- trying to say, Oh yeah, like everything, this tragedy just happened and I'm perfectly fine. Let me talk about it and pretend that it's all good. And, yeah. No, like that's a wound and, and being vulnerable with people and saying, Hey, no, I need time to heal and process. Um, that's good. Well, dude, thank you for sharing and being yeah, real with us. Um, that's sure. what I love about you, Max. It's just your vulnerability. Um, can you share a little bit? One thing I don't want to miss and sorry, we're kind of, maybe I should no, we're good. canvas night, but you, there's also something you're doing now called game on. Yeah. Uh, no future cafe. Real quick, can you explain what is Game On and then also what is No Future Cafe and how yeah. do they work together? Because those are new concepts for everybody. Right. Um, so No Future Cafe was a community initiative that was from our church community that was actually started by a lot of uh, Life Pacific college students in 1993, 94 is when it established. And originally it was just a place for uh, bands to come and play and especially in the LA context and in Pasadena there's not a lot of places for up-and-coming bands to play you have to like pay to play and you have to have like a certain amount of tickets that you have to sell but like if you're first beginning you know it's like you can't do that so um, this has been going on for since 1994 and we've had bands like there's been over 150 um, bands that have been signed through No Future Cafe and uh, I'll name drop. So like Skrillex started here at No Future with his hardcore band and this is where he learned to be on stage and stuff. So, um, you know, we, we want the, there's two values with No Future Cafe on the music aspect of it. It's like uh, creating a safe environment for high school and college kids to be at on a Friday night. Um, it's on Friday nights. And then the other thing was just a place where bands can um, play. And then from that, um, there was opportunity to have a Friday night. And I was just, I was at a point in my life and I was just like, you know, I just want a place to play video games on a Friday night with my friends. And, you know, I took a few of my, um, my youth, my youth guys, and I was like, hey, do you just want to get together once a month and play video games? They're like, yeah. So we just opened it up. I had keys to the building. And what started off with just five of us has now grown to about 60 to 65 um, high schoolers and college students just playing Super Smash Brothers. And it's a (laughs) gaming community where we um, have established um, a, a, a culture where it's not about winning. It's not about how well you do, but it's about you know, the people that are part of this community. So we don't have like this big cash prize. It's just a $20 gift card to give uh, to GameStop. And um, I've seen friendships outside of our youth group, like kids getting connected. And honestly, it's been one of the best ways that I can connect with uh, students in my area. And, And there's been kids that from like El Sereno that are coming, which is like 20 minutes away. People from the Valley have come to this and um, it's just amazing. And it all started, it really blew up with this, this guy named Ludwig and I met him. He was a, a kid at Pasadena high school and I gave him the platform and like, dude, you do this, you do gaming tournaments. I need to, to be dependent on you because it's 
bigger than what I was expecting. And, you know, it's, and he ran with it and he was bringing people and, you know, mind you, this, this guy, you know, doesn't um, go to our church necessarily. He's part of our community, but he doesn't go to our church. And, you know, he's now in, in college, but just being able to give him that space and to really just like have him run it and just like he was at his best at that, you know, he loved it. And we developed this beautiful relationship and I was actually able to uh, be invited to his graduation and there's limited tickets. So it was like his family and, and myself. So, um, I mean, that, that's what it's about. It's just like, how can we play video games in a creative, no, in a uh, supportive community, but also just getting to know these, these young men, most of them are young guys. So, yeah. Yeah. Which I love that again, Max, like you were, so humble about saying, yeah, we have a small youth group, about 20 people, and, and which actually is a pretty decent sized youth group for today's standards. But like, but dude, you're pastoring so many more people. Yeah. Like said. And, you know, having 60 people showing up on this Friday. It's event. like a second youth group. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that is another part of when we started, what's, what's the shift of next gen ministry? I think it's finding those venues. Like, and if, as I was thinking about it, like, we have so much space in a lot of our churches mm-hmm. and we have these big screens already built in, in a lot of our churches and a, a place for large people to gather. Like, are we utilizing that yeah. for our community? Yeah. And totally. that's like just a big, I think, question mark of how we can help people and, and help build community and, and be a part of people's lives. Like, um, I, I I'm going to mess up his name, but Lud, so what was it? Like, what was Ludwig. it? Ludwig. Yeah, yeah. Like being a part of Ludwig's life, man, that's, that's incredible. So, yeah. Yeah, he's, so he's and he's amazing at Super Smash. Like he's ranked like <laughs> number six in all of Southern California. Like he's <laughs> he's crazy good. Um, but yeah, I think with that, for me, there was a shift of like rather than feeling limited by my ministry, how can actually my ministry be an outlet or a platform for dreams that I've always wanted to to have? You know, I think like if you're into ministry full time, doesn't mean that there's certain dreams. You know, I always wanted to do a like uh, a mini comic convention, and I and I did it here at our um, in our church, and I had vendors, I had people in the industry come, and it was like a free community event. You know, um, I I always wanted a place where I can hang out and play video games with friends. Okay, I'm doing it with Game On. So like, if there's an encouragement, uh, if I can, you know share an encouragement with with these youth pastors that are on here or just anybody with influence with youth like how are you actually creating space for you to live your dreams but also being able to do it with your youth or with the the leaders um and i and like for me once that clicked i felt like because i was stuck i was really stuck and i just felt like contained in this and, and and i put those parameters on me but once I was thinking creatively, I'm like, why, why do I have to, why does like youth group have to be like this or church have to be like this? Like it can reflect who I am, you know, God placed me here. So let's do a gaming community, you know, and let that be church, you know, let that be the church community. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love your heart behind it because it's living out your dream, but also like it's helping all these other students live out theirs. Totally. You know, they get to totally. come and have an environment that they're passionate about too. And yeah. especially with canvas night and, you know, video games and comics and all that. So um, last thing I wanted to ask you, what are yeah. some resources that you would recommend uh, yeah. right now? I actually have them up in the chat. If you want to see them on our live call, I also have them in our podcast um, yeah. as well in our, in our blog. So 
um, yeah, can you run through these and why they're significant and why you recommend them? For sure. So I got, I got a, a couple, so they're more than three. So this one is called uh, Meet Generation Z by James White. And for me, there was this shift where I realized it was like maybe four or five years into my ministry, like, oh, I don't relate to these youth at all. Like the music, the TV shows, like <laughs> I actually had to understand who um, Gen Z was because I'm a millennial. And I think for this, it's a great way just to like, for me, I was having like a hard time connecting and it felt like I wasn't connecting on a heart level on certain aspects. And this made me just realize certain aspects of Gen Z specifically that, you know, they feel like they've inherited a broken world post 9-11 and they want to change it. And I'm like, ah, okay, I can work with that. I can work <laughs> with that. So um, there's that. This one I love. It's called uh, Sacred Companions and it's by David Brenner. And it's just about this idea of um, spiritual friendship and how actually there's opportunity to, to have um, – hospitality the importance of hospitality the importance of actually living life as friends and it's interesting because I had a, a mentor who did youth ministry and he's like yeah um, I was never friends with my with my youth you know and I think it's, it he did it like a long time ago but like I remember hearing that and I was just like okay well that's how to, that's how I got to do it but now I adjust well I adjusted that and I became friends and now there's guys who are 20, 22, 23 that were in my youth group. And now they're some of my closest friends um, because I've just, I didn't put these barriers of like, well, you're a leader. And I'm like, yeah, there's some dynamics, but you can also be friends with your youth, mm -hmm. you know, have boundaries. Don't be dumb. But um, yeah, it's just that idea of uh, being a sacred companion. Really high, highly recommend that. Um, Life of the Beloved by Henry Nowen. Mm -hmm. uh, anything by Henry Nowen is is awesome but for me like whenever life is as hard whenever I feel like I'm just inadequate when it comes to ministry or just life I I go back to this book it's it's a quick read you can almost read it in one sitting and it, it just goes back to I'm beloved like that's my first identity and it's written by Henry Nowen um, who was writing it to a, uh, a friend of his and explaining the gospel without using really churchy language or highly theological concepts. But once all stripped and down is like, we're the beloved. And I need to be reminded of that. Um, I'll just keep going. So the other one I have is, uh, yeah, Screenagers uh, TED Talk Tuesdays. So Screenagers movie is this documentary and it shows how um, junior, excuse me, junior hires and high schoolers are now, you know, natives to technology. And it's from a uh, parent's perspective, how do we navigate this now? Um, so it's a great movie. Uh, we, uh, I took some of our parents from our youth group and we, you know, did a screening and we watched it together, but they have these great, um, like up-to-date uh, articles about the impact of technology. And it was funny when Fortnite was like super, thing <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was Fortnite. And, yep. you know, how do you set boundaries? And, you know, uh, your 15 year old is up till four in the morning playing Fortnite and stuff. And it, <laughs> it's a great resource for parents. And uh, it comes out every Tuesday. Um, and I just send that to my, my parents in our youth ministry. So 
it's oh, wow. uh, com. So that, that's a weekly resource on Tuesday yeah. they release. Yeah. Okay. So every Tuesday they, they bring out a new article regarding parameters of technology or different ways to put boundaries on phones. And it's, it's, it's a great resource. Awesome. Um, I got two more and then I'll be done. Uh, <laughs> this one is called uh, Missional Youth Ministry and it's by Brian Kirk and Jacob Thilm kind of hard to see um i put it up because i'm a visual person if i look it up on amazon then i know it's that one um so this is really just rethinking how youth ministry functions and one thing that really clicked for me was i was stuck with this idea of like how do we get students here how do we get students in my youth group rather than well what if i just train the students who are already devout and here every week how do I send them as missionaries and how do I send them to impact their friends? And, you know, um, they mm. can create community, they can create a um, safe place for their friends. So it's that kind of idea is how do you establish a missional youth group? Um, and there's some great practicals in here. So uh, for me, when I read this, it really connected with me when I was mm -hmm. felt stuck. Lastly is just the, uh, let me see, the Fuller Youth Institute. So it's fullerinstitute.org. And this is based in Pasadena. What I love about it is if you ever see something with Kara Powell, like just do it. Like she is <laughs> the best. I, I feel like she's the best in, in youth ministry and she's so real. And um, she has so many great resources and what I love about just anything from the Fuller Youth Institute is it's up-to-date um, data and it's changing with the times and they have fuller students who are you know in their graduates and their you know doctrines that are having all this data and and you have the benefits of getting it so there's books there's um, there's uh, like weekly emails um, for any this is a great book, uh, Deep Ministry in a Shallow World, where it talks about the lasting impact that your youth ministry can have. Um, and then if you do missions, Deep Justice in a Broken World is awesome. So it gives context of not just um, short-term missions where it's like, oh yeah, we did our thing, like check it off the box, but no, actually how do you systematically change the environments that you're going to and actually empower the people that are uh, that you're working with so that they're not dependent on you when it comes to missions but that they're having the the resources and the equipment to um, change their environment because they're the ones that are living there every day and you get to be a supportive base for them so mm -hmm. um, those are my long list of resources. <laughs> Dude, those are awesome. Thank you for, for sharing those. And uh, like I said, I'll have that um, in our, our vlog podcast. Um, and right now they're in the chat if you want to look at them. Um, Max, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for um, just being a, a consistent example of what it means to be a successful youth pastor. Um, and I really just appreciate our friendship. Um, love you and your wife. And uh, thank you, man. Thanks for just building community and loving people. Um, just, just appreciate you. Really, really look up to you in a lot of ways. So Love you too, man. Well, cool. Well, thank you for being a part of Lunch Hour. Um, sure. And uh, excited for our next episode. And we'll see you there. Um,